Hey guys, uh, I'm going to dispense with the normal intro here and just get right into it for you. This is my interview with David Ramos, who is an author and uh, just a fellow creative that I have bumped into here in Cleveland. And I think you're really going to enjoy this interview as he and I sit down to discuss publishing and his writing life and uh, really how he's been building his platform, which I think is a really interesting thing for anyone who's aspiring to get their voice heard and get their uh, get their work out there. So David is another budding creative uh, that I have enjoyed getting to know, and I think you will too in this interview. So enjoy. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Writer's Lens. This is Josh J.C. Felto, and I am joined by a very special guest today, gentleman by the name of David Ramos. Uh, we yes, talk. Sir. <laughs> uh, say hello again, David. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got the okay before we uh, went live on that to, to roll the R and pronounce your last name correctly. So thank you. You did for, a great job. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for letting me do that. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's just one of those last names, man. You just gotta, you just gotta do it. Not like Felto where it's kind of boring. So, anyway. <laughs> so can't roll the F. No, you just you can't, and the T is silent at the end, and everyone always messes it up. They're like Felt hot, and you're like, no, it's it's French, and you know whatever. But but, but Ramos is much more fun. Ramos. Well, okay. thank you. So, so I I did not bring David on just because I like saying his last name, but I brought David on to the writer's lens uh, as David is a fellow creative. He's a fellow author. Uh, and he just so happens to be in the Cleveland area as well, which was kind of a cool thing that I learned about David uh, prior to bringing him on here. But David and I, uh, we got connected via social media, really. Uh, a few uh, folks that I'm in some circles with creatively uh, found your work online, thought it was pretty cool. Uh, they said, hey, Josh, you should reach out to this guy or he should reach out to you. In fact, I think you actually reached out to me uh, mm -hmm. is, yep. is how it went first. Um, so. So yeah, so we just kind of connected, and I was reading some of your uh, some of your stuff on your webpage, which was really cool, as well. But I'm not going to give away too much because I want you to tell a little bit of your story and what you write and who you are. So, what is your story, Mr. Ramos? Would you like awesome. to? <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, just thank you again, Josh, for having me on this show. Um, I'm just really excited for what you're doing and the fact that you're in Cleveland too. Like. It's encouraging to see people like this kind of in the same area. Mm -hmm. um, so again, my name is David Ramos, and I'm a Christian author. Now, kind of my backstory, I've been writing for a very long time. You know, I started in elementary and high school just kind of throwing some stories together, like fan fiction and whatnot, just kind of playing around with my voice. Um, you know, I was a big video gamer, so I like to turn that into stories. Um, it wasn't until college that... You know, I started taking my faith more seriously, and that came with it, um, this kind of calling to write more. Um, so around, you know, 2010, 2011, I had started just going more all in, writing for different blogs, um, pretty much about anything, you know, like dating and business and, you know, anything that a young college guy is going to be interested in. <laughs> Who has tons <laughs> of knowledge on already as well. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the yeah. kind of knowledge, so, of course. <laughs> please don't look at my blogs from that early. Um, so I wrote for a lot of websites. And in 2012, I put up my first Christian book, um, you know, through Amazon. And it was pretty bad, as you could imagine. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't super know how to craft a good book yet. Um, but the fact that I started that early um, just put me in the right direction. And so uh, around 2012 is actually when I started seminary. And so during that time, I got to you know learn the craft of what I was thinking better and also already started the writing portion more. So from 2012 to 2015 was kind of a training ground. Mm -hmm. And then 2015 is when I really took this seriously. Um, you know, I ended up in a job that I wasn't very happy in. And I was, and at the same time, I came across people like Joanna Penn who were writing full time and making a good income at it. I saw this as an opportunity. So in 2015, I actually took all the books down that I had previously published. So you won't find any of those. <laughs> but since 2015, I published 14 books um, that have reached just about um, like about 300,000 people have either downloaded a free copy or bought something. 
And so, you know, it's been very encouraging. It's a slow process. You know, I've just been trying to get better every year, reach more people, write more books, just get better at what I'm doing and, you know, hopefully encourage other people, other Christian writers in particular along the way. That's excellent, man. You are definitely the example of a, uh, a guy that um, had a bit of a vision and went right after it and then realized, yeah, and then realized that the vision was kind of incomplete, perhaps, and you need a little more groundwork and figuring out what to do. I relate to that completely. In fact, I, I think I've talked about that as well, how 2012 was the first time I published something as well. And, awesome. Yeah, and that was, those were just, just, just I look back on them and I go, okay, that was a learning experience for sure. Like that was definitely a learning experience. So I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. So so I think that is really encouraging that it's okay that, you know, if you want to write, if you actually wanna get a message out there, it doesn't have to be necessarily the the golden ticket book that you that you're writing the first time around, right? I mean it's not definitely that's not. not actually what you have to have to do. Yeah, uh, because, I think like anything, you know, I think your first like you don't go into a cooking class and expect to cook as good as the chef you know my wife and i did a cooking class a few months back and you know our plate while it was very good to eat it was not very pretty to look at and like the same thing with the book like you your taste malcolm gladwell talks about this um you know your taste for what is good is higher than what you're able to produce initially and so you're going to create things knowing what you want to create. And then you're going to see the finished product and be like, that's not what I was aiming for. <laughs> but it takes time. You got to give, you got to keep your standard high and keep your patience, you know, just as high because it's going to take time to get there, but you will get there. I think, you know, I think my writing definitely compared to what it was six, seven years ago is miles ahead. I mm -hmm. think it still has miles to go, but you know, that's, yeah, that's really good, man. I mean, uh, Gladwell is a good one. He's a good read as far as just a lot of insight, I think, mm -hmm. into in things like that. Uh, that's a really good reference. Um, as far as other influences then that you've had, uh, perhaps like, a, you know, over the course of, you know, your writing life or your reading life, always what we're reading ends up being a little bit of what we end up putting out, right? I mean, exactly. you know, we take something in and then... Uh, we kind of turn it around inside of ourselves and there's filters there, of course. And then, and then we eventually go, you know, something comes out of there. So who for you then uh, has been a big influence as far as your, your writing style or uh, even what you like to read? Definitely. Um, I think that's a great question because I think it kind of falls into two categories. So I have, you know, Christian and, you know, quote unquote, theological influences that are like C.S. Lewis, Mm -hmm. uh, John Piper, Joyce Meyer, Walter Brueggemann. Um, you know, some of them are more popular writers than others, um, but I like the way they each think through an issue. Um, and I try to do that in my writing. Now, that's category one. Category two would be other authors, um, mostly self-published, like Joanna Penn, like I said, mm -hmm. uh, Chris Fox, who does a lot of science fiction, but is awesome in how to sell a book. And then Adam Hoagie does a lot in the Christian nonfiction. Um, he's actually one that I've trained with a lot over the last few years because he's, I think he's sold over 2 million books just through Amazon. And so he's, you know, the goal of where I want to get to. That's awesome. I think it's really important too. And you were saying that you've kind of trained or rather you've kind of come alongside some of these folks. I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be a physical sense. It can be a virtual sense. You know, you're following mm -hmm. their blog or you're seeing what they do on social media. That's really important for, I think, a, a new creative, a new writer to understand is that, like, I, I talk about this a lot, but it always bears repeating because you never know who's, who's jumping in on these, on these uh, interviews or these podcasts for the first time, is that the old stereotype of sitting in a cabin in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and getting some kind of divine download is kind of a thing of the past. I don't even know if it really was a real thing. I mean, it was just. I don't think it was. No, <laughs> you know, there there had to have been collaboration at some point. There had to have been some sort of like apprenticeship, perhaps, or someone you were feeding off of that ended up really uh, kind of cultivating your work. You know, and, and mm -hmm. turning you into a better writer. So, so I mean, I, I think I got your answer. But you agree with that? I mean, is no, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I think you hit it on the head. I think. Uh, yeah, you know, it might be stereotypical, but I think especially if you write in an inspirational or a religious 
you know, genre, mm-hmm. you're expecting, all right, I'm, this is kind of a religious experience. I'm sharing what I have learned mm-hmm. from God, from my faith and not sharing that out. So I need that. I need the writing to be, you know, spiritual or whatever, but like you, the discipline has to be there. You know, yeah. the only reason I've gotten 14 books out is not because I have an angel whispering me good ideas. <laughs> it's because I've put my butt in the chair for the last you know six years and just write a little bit each day. And, you know, uh, I forget the quote, but basically, you know, inspiration knows where to find you if you're in the same place every day, like you just got to show up. Um, and then with that, when we're talking about, you know, then the influences, um, you know, my hope is that the people listening didn't recognize at least one of those names because the best thing about self-publishing is that you don't need a huge following to be successful at this. You know, you don't need to sell a million books to do this full time or to have a hundred thousand Instagram followers. Like you can have a pretty small, intense community mm-hmm. and create what you love and find people who love what you write mm-hmm. and that's enough. Like that's more than enough in this age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's also kind of one of the big myths, I think, about writing books. And uh, I think just uh, being a writer in general is that you've kind of made it when, you know, newspapers are talking about you or, yeah. you know, your your book turns into a movie. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, I you know, when I was first just kind of wet behind the ears, totally green, telling people I wrote a book, and it's like I'm telling my coworkers, I'm telling my friends, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And almost every time I would tell somebody who had no clue about just how publishing worked, I mean, granted, I really didn't know how publishing worked that well either then in those days, but almost always it would be, all right, so when's the movie deal? Or are you going to do a TV show? Or are you going to do all these other things? And you just go, no, like, that's, <laughs> like I'm not even thinking that way at all. Like I, I'm just trying to sell some books right now. That's, exactly, that's yeah. really all I'm really interested in. So, um, so yeah, creating kind of these small clusters is is something that a lot of you know kind of aspiring self published authors are doing because you know you and I are both self published, so mm-hmm. uh, you're able to do that with your own platform and have a lot more control that way. So, is, do you find that to be a lot more attractive? since you've been doing this for so long? Absolutely. I feel like you can speak to this too. You just have more control over the process. Like you have control over the kind of people you want to work with, over the audience you want to build, over the things you want to say. And that's very attractive. I mean, maybe we're just control freaks. And that's why. (laughs) Maybe. Could could be. Could be Mr. Ramos. We'll keep that on the down low. (laughs) I just think it's cool to, you know, the barriers and the gatekeepers are just, not in the picture right now. The gatekeepers are the readers. They get to decide if what you are putting out is helpful for them. And if it's not, they're not joining your tribe. But if they are, there's no other barrier to go through. It's you and them and this relationship that you're cultivating through your art. Mm, That's really good. That's good. So considering that we like to be control freaks, uh, (laughs) (laughs) since you brought that up, since there is a lot more control, there's also kind of the other side of the coin of this, which is the feeling of I'm on an island and I'm doing all this myself. I'm trying to build a platform. I'm trying to get people interested in what I do. So what have you been able to do in terms of website and social media space? I mean, is I know there's ways that we can outsource these things. I mean, I've, yeah. I've kind of done them myself. Uh, you know, I've hired on graphic artists. I've done people that, you know, are known people to do my logo and things like that. So is it something that you've been doing all by yourself? I mean, have you, like I said, outsourced some stuff or are you just that talented or a control freak that you have <laughs> everything under button? So, so this is uh, this is a both and. Um, yeah, I've been doing this for a little while now. And so when I first started out, I made all the covers. I did all the design on my website. I did more than I should have. Um, I think that's true for a lot of creators starting out. You know, you have zero dollars put towards this and your books are making no money. So you just do what you can. Um, A lot, if you go to my Amazon page, a lot of my covers are the second or third iterations. Um, I've gone, you know, I designed a cover eventually. I use tools like Fiverr or 99designs. and then now I actually have a cover designer that I work with one-on-one um, who, you know, I just shoot an email, this is what I need, and then we work together, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like the book part of it because I, for what we do, you know, the, the covers is 90% of the promotion. Yeah. So if you have a good cover, or if you only have $500 to spend, 
put that towards covers. Don't put that towards a website or a beautiful social media page or whatever. Put that towards a cover mm-hmm. and the rest will take care of itself down the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's that's my number one advice. Now for like the website and social, um, I am on Squarespace. I think it's a super user-friendly tool that mm-hmm. can look really good um, for cheap. You know, I think the website costs $100 a year and it's pretty hard to make it look not good. You know, <laughs> good design is basically less. So if you think oh, I have to add a hundred things on here so everyone knows everything about me, please don't do that. <laughs> For one, especially uh, other new authors, like just please don't do that. You know, put put a picture maybe of yourself, a paragraph about who you are, and a picture of your book. We don't need to know. <laughs> 17,000 things about your great aunt and how that influenced all your work. But that's what people do. That's what people end up doing. It's like, it's like, you know, you treat it like it's your Facebook page. You have to put every single thing out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the, the reality is like, why is this person coming to your page? They're coming mm-hmm. there because maybe there was a hook somewhere or they, they heard about you from someone else who read your stuff. They thought it was cool. So what's their first impression going to be like? You know, like what... Exactly. What are they looking for when they come to your website? They don't really care about all that other stuff. Like maybe you had a, a hermit crab when you were eight, you know, or something, <laughs> or something like that that oh no one's going to care about. So. Yeah. <laughs> we, could, we could talk about the things you've seen all day long. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. But, yeah. So that was from my of... website. Uh, oh, maybe, sure. you know, <laughs> that was the blog post I read. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> oh, dear. No, but that, that hits on like this um, – I guess it's a philosophy of how to do well online. You know, people, you know, think of people online because where people online do think of them as kind of like a second grader. Mm -hmm. They need very clear direction. So if they go to your website, what's the one thing you want them to do? Do you want them to click? Do you want them to enter an email? Do you want them to buy a book? Like only have one thing. Like when you go to my homepage, you scroll down, you enter an email. That's the only thing you can do on that page. If you look at my books page, I want you to click on a book. There's no paragraphs describing them or anything. I just have a picture of the book and you, they're clickable. Like, you know, really simple is effective. My, my website, you know, I use like Amazon affiliate links and so on. And that's a little like more complex stuff that people can get into. Um, but I can see that, you know, maybe, 25% of my traffic comes from Facebook. The rest comes from search terms. And of the people who come to my website, 30 to 40% of them are going to click on a book. And then about 10 to 20% of them are going to buy a book. That's my goal. If I send 100 people to my website, two to three of them are going to buy a book every day of the week. And that's just, that's a success to me. I know, like, I could probably get those numbers up. But when you're building a website, you know, have a goal in mind. Do you want to sell a book when they come here? Do you want to capture an email? Have a very clear goal. Because if you don't have a goal, if you don't know what you want them to do, they won't know what to do. And they'll mm. flitter on around the internet and just leave. So. <laughs> and go find more cat videos or something. <laughs> exactly. you know, They're entertaining. Read about somebody else's hermit crab or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, but no, that's, that's, that's actually really excellent advice, David. Uh, because I can think of a lot of websites, like you said, we could go down this rabbit hole pretty quickly, but like just thinking of websites that you go there and you're just like, what am I even looking for? You know, I don't even know what this person is, is even doing. And <clears throat> I think it is a good reminder for me too, that that's the space that you really should be paying attention to. If you do have some books and you've published and you really want to have a more polished look is to really work on that, that homepage, you know, mm-hmm. really work on that page where you want to funnel. You want to be funneling people back because it's nice to have Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, but that really shouldn't be like your go-to station, right? For for getting people to, to for most you. people. I mean, like mm-hmm. it's like we can talk about promotions if you want to later, but you know the best promotions are genre specific. So, like if you write fitness and you want everyone to look at your Instagram because you have a rock and bod and your rock and bod sells books to how to get that, mm-hmm. um, that makes sense. So Instagram shouldn't be your thing. Um, if you write science fiction and your favorite thing is to talk about other science fiction books you write, then maybe YouTube should be your thing. Mm-hmm. I think you need to understand your audience, your genre, and that's going to dictate what you should put your energy towards. Mm-hmm. Um, for Christian authors, you know, a lot of a lot of them are on Facebook. The biggest pastors have huge 
have huge audiences there. And so I try to put a lot of time in there, you know, crafting content that would be attractive to them because I know they're already living there. So come on over and visit my website. Um, so that's how I've done it. But That's really good advice, David. The now, since you're kind of, you're almost like transitioning for me with all these questions. So this, this, <laughs> this is really good because I wanted to ask you, because when, when someone hears maybe the phrase Christian author, um, and there can be maybe static around that, there can almost be like, okay, like, what is it then that you write about as a Christian? I mean, are you a Christian who's writing or are you writing about specifically, you know, Christian topics, theology, et cetera, things like that. So, um, that's my first question, you know, like things that you're writing about currently. And then I'll get you cool. the second half next. So. Okay, then, uh, that's a great question. Now, when I talk about Christian author, I mean specifically I am writing uh, Christian content. So I'm writing, uh, you know, I, I don't like to use the word theological, but that's what it is because it's usually intimidating to people. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to take complex ideas and boil them down. Um, so like when I got really excited about the book of Genesis, um, I didn't go and write a theological manifesto what it means and all that. I went and I wrote a story about Abraham and how that person communicated the truths I wanted to share. And then, you know, that led to writing about his Jacob and then Joseph, you know, and that covered, you know, three quarters of the book of Genesis. And I got my ideas out there. Hmm. Um, so I, I have written in other genres and other things, but that's my focus. And that's what I love to write because, you know, as we talk about, you know, if you, if you have something to say, it's easy to write a book yes. like <laughs> because then you know yeah because i think so much writing block comes from you're trying to do something or trying to be something that you're not or share something right. that isn't true to who you are so if you have something to say just get the words out because that's the hardest but that's 90 percent of the battle oh. but yep so that's what i mean <laughs> cool that's awesome so in that regard since you are writing christian content and you even said it best when you were like, I don't like using the term theological uh, as, a, as a term to describe it because that does tend to make people go, whoa, you know, mm -hmm. okay, who's this guy? Is he have a PhD in like theology <laughs> or, you know, like, you know, is he one of those brains from Harvard or Oxford right. or whatever? So is there kind of a, an added pressure with writing in this, in this space? Because, I mean, you know, I follow a lot of Christian authors myself. And, you know, you could read a take on Genesis from one author who's super well-known, and you could mm -hmm. read a different take from another author who's also very well-known. And so is there a bit of pressure that comes with, with writing about this kind of thing? Or, or how would Absolutely. you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, it's kind of like that old, that old saying that you don't talk about politics or religion at the dinner table. Right. So, I mean, you know, the internet is just a giant dinner table. So if you're going to write about something controversial, you're going to get pushed back. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, I share this story a lot. It's one of my favorites because it was right after I published, you know, my first quote unquote good book in 2015. Okay. And I got this 3000 word negative review that she also took the time to find my personal email and email it to me. Right. <laughs> it was like, that book is only like 20,000 words. <laughs> like, Ooh, yeah. She took, she took a, like at least two hours to write about every single thing I did wrong in that book. Every piece of theology I got wrong, every like grammatical error, like she Whoa. destroyed me. And I was like, what in the world? So I sent her like a one sentence, thank you email. I never <laughs> heard from her again. Um, but like, like, if you're out thing, there right now listening, David wants another reply. He wants. He yeah, wants I hope you like my books now. <laughs> you like my books. This is the redemption story. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, that that is going to happen. I mean, like that one I can laugh at now because it's been years. But like the little things, you know, sting. You know, or someone writes, uh, you know, just like horrible things about, yeah. <laughs> about what I believe or things. And um, yeah, like there's added pressure. But I think about, like, if there's that strong of a negative reaction to your book, mm -hmm. then there is also someone having that strong of a positive reaction. Mm -hmm. And so over the years, I've printed out the positive emails I've gotten. Because I have gotten more of those okay. than the negative okay. <laughs> um, And some of them are just incredible. Like, one of, like these are probably the highlight reel. Um, there was a guy who literally found Christ in jail because his wife found one of my books 
and started sending him books in jail. No and man. so like, yeah, and so I got this huge email. Wow. And I was like, what in the world? Um, another one, she emails me like once a week. She uh, has been a Christian her whole life, but you know, just kind of in the background. And she led her first Bible study at the age of 72 using Whoa. my S. Yeah, and I was like, man, like, this is cool. Um, and so that makes it worth it because, you know, for every negative email, I know, even if they don't tell me, mm-hmm. there's 10 people being blessed, being growing from what I'm writing. And like, yeah, I just got to keep those people in mind. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's Those are some really cool stories. And that's, it's interesting because uh, you're almost a case study for the betrayal principle. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, writing for the eighty percent that actually want to hear from you, as opposed to maybe the twenty, or in your case, the one who <laughs> accounted for twenty percent, perhaps of the exactly. of the negativity. Yeah. But it's also interesting too, because <clears throat> it's like, uh, or is it is it Petrayo? I think it's uh, I think I totally oh, botched Pareto. that. Pareto, Pareto, yeah, I think I totally yeah. botched that. <laughs> close, <laughs> close, enough. But uh, okay, yeah, the Pareto. Yeah, the the interesting thing is though is, is as a Christian author, even if you do have like an eighty percentile that are listening to you and they think that you're good and, and whatnot, is there the possibility you still could be off as far as like your theological you know oh, yeah. inclinations? I mean, I mean that's the like, thing, right? <laughs> like the, one of the reasons I took all my books from two thousand twelve to two thousand fifteen down is because the theology was bad. <laughs> it just it just wasn't good. Um, and, you know, I know, like, not, all right, first of all, you should not agree with everyone you read. That's regardless of if you're a Christian or not. You should not agree with everyone you read. If you're only reading people you agree with, that's a whole other conversation we need to have because that's, <laughs> that's different. And so I I don't want my readers to agree with everything I write. My A lot of my readers are very educated. They know the Bible. They have been to school or seminary or some training and so i want the pushback i want them to be like mm, that doesn't sound right or have you thought about it like this mm-hmm. and then because i know that's going to make my writing better and my theology better i know that 10 years down the road i might look at some of the stuff i've written now and in the past and be like uh that's i don't know if i can stand by that now but mm-hmm. i think that's important i think you know we're talking about this in the christians here but even as a writer uh you know you should look back and be like I'm way better than I was oh, 10 yeah. years ago, or I don't think the same way I did. And like that, that is the best testament to that. You are doing the right things. If you are growing and if you are disagreeing with your old self, um, I really like, I really hope I believe different things 10 years from now than I do today. Um, I just think they're clear. I think I'm hoping they're going to have more of a foundation. Um, you know, obviously I hope it's not like night and day, but like, uh, right, I was no, like, like, David, bring it, roll it in, man. Come on, ring it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no. Everyone take that in context. <laughs> I just mean like, yeah, I think the way I explain things and express things, um, I hope they improve. Like that's, that's the heart of it. I hope that people take that as a challenge that you should be consistently getting better, not just in your craft, but in the ideas that are influencing what you're actually writing. Hmm. That's good, man. That's good. Yeah, the the idea of just reading one source. I mean, granted, I would I would argue that you know reading the Bible would be a good source if it's the one yeah. that you're gonna. If you're that's gonna kind read. of yeah. That gets a pardon. That's not part of the conversation. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I had to throw it out there though, man. I just had, yeah. I had to get it in. But unless like, unless you're a KJV only onlyist, <laughs> like you only read the KJV, then you can't be my friend. <laughs> We can have a discussion about that too if you want. We can have a discussion about all the different versions and yes. <laughs> that's funny. So, man, you just you just took me on like a whole other path right there with that. Yeah, with my apologies. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. It's good. It's good. Um, so, uh, but yeah, where, where was I going with that? Oh, so, so yeah. But as far as not reading, or rather, uh, you know, not reading the same person or the same source over and over again, but still kind of seeing where this, uh, this writer's taken you. I think that's really interesting because uh, you know, I, I still think some of the perception we have when it comes to just fiction writers mm-hmm. as opposed to like these kinds of topics when you're, when you're writing about theology and you're writing in a nonfiction sense, you think of fiction writers as being like guys that or gals who just hone the craft around it 
as far as the style and structure that they do. And mm -hmm. as an audience, you expect this over and over and over again. And you expect the style, you expect to be wowed, but you expect mm -hmm. the style at least to be improving in some sense. But what you're saying is interesting in that, you know, you want to grow in your in your walk. You want to grow in your uh, your understandings. You want to grow as as far as you know. Maybe you know God put this on your heart now. Now you're going to talk about these things. You know, you're mm -hmm. going to kind of leave this other part behind. You're going to go over here and explore what you know. Maybe what God tells you to do here, and that's kind of more where I see like you saying, "I hope I may disagree with myself as I did before," because now I have a different perspective. You know, mm -hmm. I have a different perspective over here. So, yeah, I think. Oh, so I think C.S. Lewis is a great example of this because mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis, you know, in the Christian sphere, he's known so well for those nonfiction books, The Mere Christianity, mm -hmm. The Great Divorce, things like that. Um, but he also has a science fiction trilogy. Yeah. And he also has the Narnia, or Narnia, what, seven books, is it? Yeah. And so, like, he took his writing in different paths depending on where he was in life and what he wanted to communicate. And I think, you know, genre hopping is a really cool way to develop. I am not confident enough there to jump into fiction. I It's definitely one of my, like, long, long-term goals there because I think, uh, yeah, the power of story can do something that nonfiction cannot. Mm -hmm. I love what I write, um, but I, I'm also very aware of the, the limitations of what I write. And so, like, you know, you being a science fiction and – other authors like nonfiction because you have things like this um like you just have this room to flex muscles and and creativity that maybe others don't have so like yeah genre hopping is cool but yeah no that's <clears throat> that's good i like that you're using a very physical flex the muscles idea uh behind my work which reminds me i, I do need to get back to the gym <laughs> <laughs> it's january it's a good time to do it, it is. it's a great time i could be one of those stereotypes that just walks into a gym and i gotta do this thing why because i'm writing too much and i'm sitting around and holding know. a piece of pizza <laughs> exactly um but yeah no that's 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 true yeah the the power of story i mean it's the whole reason why this this podcast was even birthed uh which i think you and i had kind of talked about before we even got on here to talk uh, or, or speak with one another is that uh, storytelling, I mean, even the biblical narrative as it stands, it's told in story format exactly. as opposed to, well, I mean, a lot of the New Testament is written in, in letters, so that's a little bit different. But the story, the narrative, I mean, the, there's the full macro version of it and there's the tiny ones in between. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think when it comes to especially belief and you know, just the, the witnessing, you know, just the power that the Bible has, people are reading it from a context of, I understand the story first. I may not get all the deep themes yet, but mm -hmm. those are what's speaking to me. And then everything else kind of follows after, you know, it's, it's exactly. like, you know, like I'm, I'm immersed in the story. I'm learning about, you know, Jacob or and Esau and, and things like that. So, sorry, I get a little bit, yeah. I get a little no, bit. No, this excited. is good. Yeah. Well, I think this, you know, this is kind of one of the genesis of my writing was that, you know, I help with preschool at church. I've been doing it for, you know, about seven years now. Mm -hmm. And kids love church because they get to go and hear a story. Yes. And then you got to like drag adults in by the ear <laughs> because most of the time they got to go listen to a 30 to 40 minute theological mm -hmm. dissertation. Like, here's why grace is important to your life. And they're like, oh gosh, like, yeah. let me play on my phone. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to get beat up again this Sunday. Why? You know? <laughs> exactly. But like, you know, the story, like you can, you can learn those same topics through the stories that like, that's what Jesus did. He was, the, he, he didn't write a giant theological tome when he came, he went around and told stories mm -hmm. and we might be like, Oh, that's just the context he was in. Like, no, I think he did that for a reason that's mm -hmm. more timeless than we would say. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. if you if, like, yeah, this goes to nonfiction authors, regardless of what genre you're in. Like, if you are one of those people who have an idea that you want to communicate, um, I think like John Gordon is a good one. He's writes these really good business ideas, but he doesn't write business books. He writes motivational short parables. Hmm. So everyone knows the energy bus because it's a fun story about this bus with people and everything. But then you think through it, you're like, oh, okay, these are like really good business principles and ideas that I can apply to my own discipline and my life and so on. And like, mm -hmm. same thing, I, you know, just going back, the power of story can communicate anything you want it to communicate. It doesn't just have to be for entertainment. 
Yeah. Oh, that's really good, man. Yeah. There's, oh, you just, you totally like are making me want to go down this path right now. But we're, <laughs> we're going to stay as focused as okay. I can. <laughs> I like this. Yeah. Tangents are fun. <laughs> Ta- tangents are fun, man. I mean, that's good stories will give you a good twist every now and again. So, you know, exactly. this conversation's heading that same direction. So, as far as, uh, you know, we were kind of touching on a little bit, I wanted to ask you about like what you see out in the, the market space of like what sets writers apart from one another. Like, what are the things that, that actually, like good writers, I mean, we've been talking about website and social media presence, and we've been talking a little bit about promotion and whatnot, but as far as, like, you've grown as a writer, you know, I've grown as a writer uh, since the days I started doing this, but, you know, what is it that you see kind of sets people apart from where they're starting to starting to gain some traction as opposed to folks that just kind of stay stagnant and they're mm-hmm. not really going anywhere? Um, so it comes down to two, two words authenticity and consistency. Mm -hmm. I know like, you know, those are throwaway words because people use them all the time. But like when you really think about what they are, like authenticity means you are writing something that is honest. Mm -hmm. You are writing something about that you believe or a story that excites you. Um, You know, there's the Hemingway quote that I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically writing is easy. All you do is sit down and bleed. Yes, Um, I love that quote. And like, you know, good good writing should hurt. Like there, it's definitely not a, a normal occurrence, but like I can count on probably one or two hands the number of times like where I have sat down to write for an hour or two and I just left crying because like mm. what I wrote hurt or touched on the spot or was something I was still working through. The only way I could work it out with words. Like that is good writing. You know, the books that have, that are on my bookshelf that has touched me most were are usually vulnerable books, you know, because the people sharing them, you know, this is something you probably tell a very close friend or a family member. Mm. Like the fact that they took the effort to put that into words and to share those words with other people, like, you know, that's priceless. Um, so that's part one. That's authenticity. That's what I mean. The second part is consistency. You know, you <laughs> unless you're J.R. Martin. You are not going to become very good writing one book every 10 years. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. That's just, it doesn't work like that. No, no. Uh, no, you need to sit down. You need to write every day, even if it's 100 words. Even if it's you know, just a brain dump of, I don't know what to write today. This is frustrating. Like Just get that out. You have to write every day. And I, I used to push back against this because I thought I'm a, uh, you know, because there's different communities different styles in the writing community you know there's like spurt or sprint writers who will write for three to four weeks at a time Mm -hmm. massive amounts and then take a month or two off and i thought i was more like that Um, but then when i stuck with more marathon writing so low counts but very long long term um, it's just better like the quality is better my consistent voice is better Um, and so you just have to commit to that and like writing is a long game in, in the gym I go to, uh, they have this phrase that they call out when you know they see the pain on our faces and all that. <laughs> they yell out, slow is better than stopped. Mm-hmm. And so they just want you to know, like, don't stop. If you stop, you're going to lose the momentum of your workout. Mm-hmm. Just, go, just go a little slower, but you got to keep going. You know, one more inch, one more workout, one more set. And so the same thing, like, okay, you didn't write the book you wanted to in this year, but you got two chapters done, you know, keep writing a hundred words a day, keep writing a thousand words a week, whatever it needs to be to get to that destination goal. Because, you know, if you're consistent, you're going to get there eventually. A hundred words a week is, or a hundred words a day is one nonfiction book a year. Dude. You know, a thousand words a day is multiple books in the nonfiction. It's probably just like two science fiction because they're so big. <laughs> but um, Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah, like those are the two things that I would just tell. Be authentic, be consistent. If you can get those two down, like the rest will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, man. Because that also is going to lead into overcoming the fear of publishing and getting your, your actual words out there for people to critique. Um, yeah. Uh, because people will critique your stuff. Um, I can't say I've had anyone write me a 3,000 word email. <laughs> They'll I'm, come. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. Or maybe I'm just <laughs> that good, David. <laughs> <Maybe> you could, <laughs> I, I could I could be. With all humility, I could be. 
<laughs> you know, you're going to get an email like in the next one. Oh, I know. I mean, once my second book comes out, I'm going to get some scathing email from somebody who's going to be like, you know what? I read your first one. And this second one, garbage. You know, and, and here's all the reasons why. All your science is wrong. You know, all the science is wrong. You know, there's no way they could have gravity there or something. You know, I'm just going to get lambasted. It, it's yeah. funny. Quick side note on that, on that note is <clears throat> I'm part of a couple different groups on Facebook for like reading and, and writing and fiction and things like that. And, and there was a funny meme recently where, where someone was talking about their struggle of writing a 15th century, like a, a, a bartender or something or other like that. And they were trying to figure out how much that bartender would have made in a night. Mm-hmm. And they were so like just just stuck on the idea, and then they went. But on the other side of things, if I'm reading another story, I don't care. You know, like I just, you know, I could be reading you know 10th century stuff, and the person could have a car, and I'm like, whatever, it's a fun story. And it's like as a as the author oh, though, gosh. yeah, as the author though, you're laughing because you understand this. As the I author do. though, you're just going, man, I got I got to nail this because I know mm-hmm. there's going to be somebody out there that's going to be like looking for that one thing that they can just you know, zero in on and say, Hey, uh, this is incorrect. You know, this is, this is not factual. So (laughs) it's so true. Like when I'm writing things that are like a little bit more precise, like Mm -hmm. I will pull out three or four commentaries and spend an hour making sure that sentence is correct. Because I know like, especially for like theological writing, if I say as much as, instead of like totally like, Oh gosh, you have completely destroyed the idea. <laughs> You're a heretic. You're going to hell because you got like, oh my gosh, I just no, no. no. Although it is, it is easy to get that tunnel vision, though. I mean, it is easy to get stuck in that. I mean, especially, you know, if you're not reading new material, if you're not engaging, you know, perhaps in in breathing in, breathing out. You know, it's one of those good mantras of reading and writing. You got to breathe in so you can breathe out and you know see uh, you know see what's in there and whatnot. So. That's really good. Um, where are we going on the on this last one? I was talking to you about. Oh, okay. So the fears of publishing uh, and getting your your uh, your words out there is it easier now, farther down the road? Uh, yeah, further? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it, maybe I just care less because it's always uh, a possibility, I guess. I mean, it's it's easier for me now because I believe more in what I have to say. I think that's that's progress I've made. I know, I think when I first started, I was still new in a lot of different ways. And I think I wrote in a way that I wanted to make other people believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's the best way to do it. I think now I write to share what I believe. Mm. And then it's I try to think of my writing more as an invitation. Like, here's what I'm seeing. This is what this is where I'm at. This is what I'm understanding. Um, this is where my journey has taken me. I'd love to know what you think about it. I'd love to know where you are in the journey. Have you seen this too? Um, and I think that invitational nature has really like helped my audience be what it be what it is. Because when I send out an email or I write a new book and I ask a question, like I'll get a hundred people to answer me um, awesome. of a list that's only like twelve hundred right now on my email list. Um, so if you have email list, you know, like the percentage is pretty cool. Um, (laughs) but yeah, like I just want, I want to invite people in and I think because I'm not trying to prove something as much, or I'm not trying to convince people as much, it's the bars lower for me to share more because I'm, I'm not less personally invested. I don't know, but does that kind of. Well, that, well, that, yeah, that totally does. And it makes it's it's an interesting dynamic, though, because you're saying I'm not trying to prove anything, but but you're also writing about theological, like deep things, you know, which mm-hmm. I think people tend to whenever they're reading it, they go, OK, what's this guy trying to convince me of? You know, mm-hmm. Is there something he's trying to, you know, is there wool over my eyes that he's trying to just totally torch it off, you know, or something, yeah. you know, something like that. But if you're, you know, I think that you have the right mindset behind it. The spirit behind it is, look, I'm not trying to just, you know, destroy everybody with my words necessarily, but I'm being honest at least about it. You know, I'm being honest about where I'm at and where I'm trying to, you know, find the voice or the message in it. So I think that, I think that's really good advice, David. Thanks. One of my things um, 
like I tell everyone, especially new writers, if they ask me, like, what's the one thing I can do to improve my writing? Mm -hmm. um, it's to pick one person that you're writing to. So depending mm -hmm. on what I'm writing, I like to you know, look at a picture of my best friend who lives out in Kansas mm -hmm. or a picture of my wife or a picture of my little brother. And that's who I'm writing to. If I'm explaining this complicated concept, how would I explain it to them? And like, I'm not going to yell at them. I'm not going to try to convince them. I'm just going to be like, hey, like, this is someone I love. This is someone I have a relationship with. And I think this thing that I know or this thing that I learned is going to be important for them. Hmm. And that's what I'm writing today. And it just makes, you know, it just makes it easier because it's, you know, as corny as it's going to sound, it's an act of love. You know, it is me trying to do something I find important and trying to help someone who is important to me. Hmm. And I'm hoping that that's what my readers get. That when they read my books, they're like, okay, he actually cares. You know, he, didn't, he doesn't care that I bought a $3 book or $10 book. He cares that the concept in this hmm. is going to help me a, know the Bible better, or A, live differently, or B, just feel better about X, Y, Z. Like, I want that to be the goal. I want them to take away a good feeling. Mm -hmm. That's good, man. That's good. That's a good place to be in, again, you know, just coming back to your mindset about it. And that's that's something I've, that you, I think you obviously have learned over time. I mean, that you didn't, like, just immediately jump out in 2012 and say, this is how I want my readers to feel. You know, this is no actually, way. you know, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I, yeah, I bring that up, not obviously to like call you to the carpet, but I bring it up because people need to understand that. Like you said, it is a long game. It's not this, you know, I have every, you know, chip stacked. I have every duck in a row or whatever you want to say out of the gates on the first try, you know? So, yep. the, so the, uh, the, the inspiration is that you got to play the long game. You got to play the long game that you will, exactly. you, will, you will learn as you go basically. And, and speaking of learning as you go, what are some things then, I guess, looking ahead, as I'll kind of bring this in for a landing here with us, uh, even though I think we could keep going for probably like another hour, is, uh, is you know, just talking about like, what are you or what do you see as being things you put energy around, like going forward? Like, you know, do you, are you thinking about doing any kind of like live events or, you know, like live streaming stuff or you know, uh, I don't want to get too ahead of us ahead in this conversation because there is something I want to end us on, but just like, what are your thoughts behind that? Like what you're doing else to market yourself in 2019? Yeah. So I am, yeah, this is a great question because I'm doing a lot of things. <laughs> so, right. um, let me just reiterate. I think the best promotions are genre specific. So I'm going to say some things that I think are non-genre specific first of all and then i'll talk about what's genre specific mm -hmm. um non-genre specific you should be working towards landing a book club because those are great you should learn how to work with amazon ads you know if, even if you have a couple books out just get familiar with how to get your book in front of more people mm -hmm. that's the game um and writing in series people love to read things that have a continuation I, like at least once or twice a week i will see a spike in sales because someone finished my first book and then bought six or seven more the same day which is super encouraging because you're like oh, okay i'm doing something right here <laughs> um now for my specific genre i am definitely looking at live events i haven't done them yet to any big degree other than like one-on-one -on -one stuff um for Christian nonfiction, I am going all in into the U version app. Mm. So last year I experimented, put a few devotionals out. Since I had already written devotionals, I converted some of the content to fit their platform because it's a little bit more concise. Um, and to date, I've had about 130,000 people read those devotionals. So it's wow. been a very productive you know, about six months so far. So this year, I'm trying to do at least one devotional week on there. Um, so I'm just cranking them out because I want to get, because I know, like, I've seen the numbers. I don't know the conversion in my head, but basically of those thousands of people who have read, uh, who have read those, um, I've sold somewhere between seven and 800 books just from the version devotionals. That's awesome. So like the conversion there is very good, especially for something that's free that takes a couple hours to write something that is then evergreen so if you're christian and you're writing figure out how to get a new version <laughs> um and then you know social media is always big for me i think if you you know if you're looking for people who are doing things right gary vaynerchuk 
he uses some colorful language, but he's a very good practitioner of social media. Um, so basically just learn what he does. He talks a lot about having a pillar content mm -hmm. and then the rest is distribution. So this year I'm kind of working on Facebook being my Christian pillar. So mm -hmm. Facebook is where if someone is a Christian and finds me, they're going to Facebook. Um, if they're an author and find me, I'm sending them to YouTube because I'm trying to build that momentum there. Um, and just being purposeful, you know, having uh, like this year is the year I have the least amount of goals. I think I only have really two goals for the entire year because when you have too many things, you're headed in too many directions. It's a and storm, so, man. It's a total storm and you can't, exactly. you can't manage it. Yeah. So, yeah. so my advice, like for good promotion, do less, like <laughs> do less, pick one or two avenues, mm -hmm. go all in on them. And that's it. Don't like, don't do what I did and buy webinar software, mm -hmm. you know, get a ClickFunnels account, mm -hmm. buy unnecessary equipment, mm -hmm. you know, take, sign up for three teachable courses. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> that's not going to help you sell more books. I get, I trust me, I wasted lots of money learning the hard way how to focus and how to do things that actually build momentum. <laughs> so you were, spending money on things that stop momentum in, yes. ter in terms of it trying to build momentum. Yeah. I guess yeah. The, because I like one thing I guarantee everyone listening to this right now, yeah. you know enough to write a book and to sell a thousand copies of that book. You don't need to read anything else. Like I guarantee it. You, you already know you have to be authentic. You have to be consistent and you have to go tell people that you wrote a book. Like, mm -hmm. Right. You know, everyone wants a magic formula. There's no magic formula. You just do the thing over and over and over again until enough people know who you are that you don't have to do it as much anymore. That's all it is. That's right. It's, that's you heard it here first from David Ramos. That yeah. You don't have to know anything. You just publish it. You if you do it consistently enough, could take fifty years. You will sell a thousand books. Yeah, we can edit all of that out. <laughs> I know I'm keeping it in, brother. This is that's, I think that's good stuff. I think that's really good. So, no, that's that's excellent. Because well, well, I do agree with you though on a lot of that because there's so much experience you have to get while you're doing it. I mean, you have to be willing to fail in some regard, and yeah. and fail uh, gently. You know, not and when I say fail gently, I don't mean fail like oh I'm just gonna lose a little bit out of this. No, I'm I mean like. I fail, but then I don't go, oh man, that's it for me. You know, yeah. I, I just, there's no way, like getting that email from that, from that woman who just torched your book, like to fail gently would be to say, okay, maybe she just didn't like it. All right. Well, man, but I know words hurt. Okay. I'm not making light of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not making light of that whatsoever. But, but, uh, I think it was like years ago, someone had told me about how, you know, if you're going to publish work, if you're going to put your thoughts out into the the nether regions of the internet and deep corners of people's minds, you have to develop a little bit of thick skin though too. I mean, you have mm -hmm. to be able to say, I am going to put this out there and I'm going to have some people respond to it. Not everyone's going to love it. And if you are focused on getting everybody to love your work, you will lose, I think one of the things that you said, which is authenticity, you're going to lose it pretty quickly. So exactly. That's, yeah. That's really good, man. So, on that note, the last thing I wanted to discuss with you is you actually do have a book coming out. So you have one other big thing happening very quickly. I do. So yes. in March of this year, correct? Exactly. Yeah, okay. March 12th. Okay. So um, go ahead. Cool. So, yeah, thank you. I have a new book coming out. It's called Magnetic Faith. And uh, this is, yeah, if you want an authentic book, I think this is a good example <laughs> okay. of it. Uh, last year... I went through a bunch of health issues and I was actually on short-term disability leave from work for about three months. Hmm. Um, and during that time, I was, I was either in the hospital or on the couch recovering. And so I had a lot of time to read and think. And I, you know, just started taking a deeper look at what I believe. And these things have influenced me up to that point. Like, you know, obviously I got sick because my body was not in a good state, but there were bad habits or bad things that helped me get to that point. Um, and, you know, bad ways I thought about God, bad ways, like just these things I didn't really pay attention to, but were there underneath the surface. Um, and so I started just scratching out ideas 
and seeing this theme come up that was kind of an echo of Colossians 3. Now, if I'm getting too preachy, you can stop me. But basically, what it came down to was that there's this triangle. There's this triangle of things that control you that Paul lays out pretty simply. Maybe not, he didn't call it a triangle, but um, there's these things that are biblical that are can be found in like non-religious literature too. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you just get a hold of these things, it's going to improve your life. And um, so I just put all this down. I'm like, man, this is really, this is where I'm at. This is what I need to write because this is my truth right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the last six months, I wrote the book pretty quickly because it was something I knew I had to say. And the first you know, beta readers and whatever have been pretty crazy about it. Like, that's why, that's how I found you is when I was sharing it with some other audiences and they're like, this is good. Like, you should show it to more people, which is encouraging. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a good example of taking what life gives you and turning that into something that can help others, you know, especially in nonfiction writing. It's, it's called Magnetic Faith. Uh, because first of all, it's a cool title. I think yeah. people click on it. I think it actually is a cool title, man. I think it's, yeah. as long as you don't um, put like a giant, like old school magnet, like on the front or something, like a big. Tell you what, when I was getting cover designs, I, I specifically said, "Please don't put a magnet on there." <laughs> right, right. And how many? I got of the hundred designs I had like initially, I got like eighty that had magnets. I'm like, "Come on, guys, don't come do on, that." Come on, come on now. Let's let's be yeah. a little more creative here. Like you know. Exactly. Let's, yeah. <laughs> But um, for my Christian audience, I think I think they're really going to like the book because it's just it's it's a book I wish I had five years ago. It's a book that is theologically rich, but for the reader, it's very accessible. This is a book I would give you know my wife or my brother or my best friend, the people that I write to, and I know like it would be an authentic representation of where I'm at and something that would help them, and so. I'm I'm excited. It comes out March 12th. You know, right now it's available for pre-order for 99 cents because I just want to get it in as many hands as possible. That's awesome. Congratulations, man, on getting uh, ahead of the game there and having a, having a launch date. Yeah, because that's that's another big uh, to do about being a self-publisher is that you you have to create your own timelines in some mm-hmm. sense. You have to create better your, or worse. Yeah, for better or for worse. I mean. I'm not going to go on the path of my missed one in 2018, but, but that is true. You have to button that down. I mean, you can't, you, you have to be able to say, okay, through the consistency of my own disciplines, I'm going to, I'm going to make this thing happen. So I, I commend you, sir, for, for staying, staying true to the path. And just, I'm curious to see what um, magnetic faith holds. I know it's not going to have a magnet on the front of the cover. Nope. So that's a good, better not. Better not. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I, I did want to I did want to ask you this real quick. Uh, now, does your wife or like any of your friends read your stuff consistently, or no, not really? Um, uh, well, I make my wife read everything because she is my <laughs> first ground editor before I send it, so gotcha. that I can make sure I get my money worth out of the actual editor and everything. I got, I got you. Um, so for better or worse, she has to read all my stuff. <laughs> Like, this, um, is, this is part of the spousal agreement here. You're going to have to read my stuff. It's <laughs> awesome. And then I don't know how much my friends read my book, but I definitely hand them a book every time right. I write. <laughs> so they might be doorstops, but they have my books. <laughs> hey, man, that's that's kind of how it's turned into my life too with uh, with uh, reading. I, mean, I think uh, what is it? You can't be a hero in your own hometown. You know, you, yeah. you know, it's just it's just the way that it goes. You know, you just you got to be reaching out beyond your sphere of influence and, and figure yeah. out how to do that. So, so just great stuff, David. Great stuff. So, where can anyone go to find you, uh, David Ramos, uh, on the internet? Where can they go to find you and your book? I mean, you mentioned Amazon, but where else can they go to find you? Yeah, um, uh, two places. So, if you are a Christian and you're primarily interested in that stuff, I'd say go to my website. So it's ramosauthor.com, all one word. And when you subscribe, I have a couple free books and some cool tools. Um, it's 
yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of free stuff now. <laughs> Over the last like three years, I've just been making more things and giving it away for free. And it's at the point where I should probably figure out like how to limit it because if you subscribe, you get like eight free things. <laughs> so <laughs> take advantage of it while it lasts. <laughs> right, okay. um, and then if you're a writer, go ahead and go to YouTube and just search David Ramos author. I've been doing a series on basically optimizing your Amazon page and optimizing what you're doing there. Um, I I just want to share the knowledge I have and maybe, you know, build a cool community on there because I think there's a lot of simple things you can do to turn a regular browser into someone who actually buys your book. Like mm-hmm. simple little things you can do that'll help people like you and me, you know, mm-hmm. selling even one extra book a day is a big thing in the long term. It is. And it gives you that extra, you know, kind of juice or I like to say wind in your, uh, you know, wind in your sails is, exactly. is, is what it does for sure. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, David Ramos, this has been a quite enjoyable conversation. So uh, I thank you so much for taking some time out of your day uh, to talk with me here on the Writer's Lens. So I appreciate it. And thank you, Josh. This is an awesome thing you're doing. Um, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the books you're going to put out when you write that one this year. That's right. Finish it. (laughs) Um, And for all of you listening, just thank you for listening and finding this because writing is probably the coolest thing you can do you know it's it's as close to immortality as we can get on this side of Mm -hmm. things you know you put your soul into this paper paper book back Mm -hmm. and you put it out into the world Mm -hmm. and so like don't take that lightly what you're doing is important and it's awesome that's awesome good stuff straight from david ramos (laughs) (laughs) well done well done (laughs) well done sir thanks again david thank you (laughs) bye